Hello, everybody. Welcome out to Pikapi Podcast, your Pokemon anime podcast. If your country celebrated Thanksgiving this weekend, I hope it was lovely. If you celebrated it some other weekend, I also hope it was lovely. And if you're like me and decide that dual nationality gives you the right to celebrate Thanksgiving twice, like, all power to you. I had a great time with friends and family, but now it's time to focus on Pokemon. And listener mail, we've actually got a lot of it lately. One is an email from Logan, which I've put off for a little while because we've had so much to talk about with the start of Silver Conference, but I don't want to get too far away from it because it's about Larvitar. Logan's thought is that Larvitar's story is interesting but doesn't make a lot of sense. He points out that Larvitar is the only one to have complete knowledge of what was happening outside the egg before it hatched, um, and that the situation kind of made Tyranitar into a, a, a jerk. <laughs> and he says, while Larvitar's story is interesting, much of it doesn't make the most of sense. Out of every Pokemon we've seen hatch from eggs, Larvitar is the only one to have 100% complete knowledge of what was happening outside its egg before it hatched. And I'm not the biggest expert on eggs, but most animals are technically born when the egg opens. Yet Larvitar seems to have been able to see exactly what was going on while it was technically an embryo. Um, and I kind of agree and disagree. On the one hand, yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense that Larvitar is so aware of everything that happened while outside the egg. But the situation with animals um, who hatch from eggs versus, say, those who are born via mammals is a little different. Like, we know that human babies, as they start developing to a certain point, they can start to hear things within the womb. But say a bird who's hatching from an egg, like, that baby has to break itself out of its shell. So before it actually hatches, it's pretty much fully developed. So that Larvitar can sense things happening around it doesn't surprise me, like that it's able to hear, maybe, or on its environment. But, Lo but Logan is 100% correct in that Larvitar probably shouldn't have been able to see anything, and, and whatever it did see, it would have had no context for. So yeah, it doesn't make a ton of sense. They were really stretching it there. Um, but Logan does present a really interesting thought um, as an alternative, saying, while having Larvitar be afraid of people because of what it saw outside its sealed egg is an interesting plot point, I think it might have been easier explained if Larvitar was already hatched when it was kidnapped and hid in fear of everyone. But when Ash came along, he saved Larvitar, and that's how he started trusting humans. Everything mostly would have remained the same aside from a bit in the beginning when Ash got the egg. And I think Logan's onto something there. In the suspense created by having Ash carry an egg and watching him hatch it and everything, 
we kind of lost a lot of the coherent storytelling that would have come from, you know, Larvitar just being a newly hatched Pokemon when all the stuff with Tyranitar went down. And when you consider Famfy and that egg hatching adventure was not all that long ago, it does seem a little pointless to have Larvitar still be in its egg when all this stuff happens. Because it is much more stretching of the truth than if Larvitar had already been hatched. And then the situation with Tyranitar, you know, Tyranitar would have known it was Larvitar right from the start and vice versa. And we wouldn't have had that weird scene where it's like, well, does Tyranitar know? Does it not? Like it, again, I love the entire Larvitar arc for basically Larvitar's kind of inception dream thing where Ash, you know, kind of saves it from itself. But it's hard to deny that they are kind of making us suspend our disbelief quite a bit. Of course, it's not just Larvitar's hatching situation either. It's also like Ash's ability to psychically sense what's happening with Larvitar. Like this is before the unknown show up. Remember, Ash was having mind-melding experiences with Larvitar as an egg, so... They were asking us to believe quite a lot, and as Logan points out, they could have reduced that by half. Easily. I give the Pokémon writers credit for ambition, because again, it was something we'd never seen before. But it does look like one or two more passes through the writer's room, and we might have gotten something just a little bit better. Our second comment comes from the blog page, um, from Satoshi's Pikachu, and this person, like, has just started listening and is commenting up a storm, so I kind of encourage everybody to go to the blog um, and get involved in these discussions because I don't know if I'm ever going to have time to respond to every single one. I might have to save some of them for, for days when we're low on listener mail and news and stuff to talk about. But there are a lot that I definitely do want to talk about on the show. One of them is actually about gym badges and league conferences. There's a lot of fun stuff like gym leader side jobs and hoping that, you know, we get a spin-off series for gym leaders and their crazy lives. But he also raises a really interesting question of whether or not Ash can use his Indigo 8 badges again. Like if he ever wants to go compete at Indigo League, like he technically has 8 badges, does he has to does he have to earn them all again? I did reply on the blog, but it got me thinking because that would be an interesting thing to see confirmed in show. So far, the show has kind of implied that you don't because Ash meets many people on his Pokemon journey who are hoping to compete at the Indigo League, but not all of them make it there. And there's also several throughout the Johto League who are headed to the Silver Conference, but don't make it there by the same time Ash does. For example... Casey. I don't believe we see her at the Pokemon League because Ash because Ash was kind of close to her. They would have met up. And and the dialogue that everybody has is that they will get there eventually. We never have anyone say anything to the effect of, I have to get them all by a certain date or else I have to go collect all the badges again. So it seems fairly implied that once you collect the eight badges, they're yours. So they haven't done much to establish the idea that you have to collect all eight badges within a certain time frame. Like if you wanted to enter the Indigo League in 1999, you had to collect all your badges in that year or in 1998 or something. 
Which kind of implies that whenever your badges were caught, as long as you got eight of them, you can enter any Pokemon League. But there is still room, I think, for that, because we don't know if there's necessarily an expiration date, like maybe, like a driver's license, like maybe your badges are only good for 10 years and then you have to re-challenge the League, something to that effect. And it is also possible that badges are only good for one tournament. Like, if it takes you 20 years to get all eight badges, you can still, you know, use the badge that was caught 20 years ago. But if you want to challenge Indigo League again, you have to go get those eight badges again. That's a possibility that cannot be confirmed or denied. And as I think about Kanto's gym system, in a little while, we're going to have some uh, discussions on the Pokemon Inspection Agency and how it breezed through Kanto and cleaned up a lot of stuff. Because remember, at the time Ash went through it, had no less than 15 gyms and possibly as many as 30. It had Yaz and Kaz doing their thing. Like, Kanto's gym system was kind of a gong show and some of it was run by the mafia. If Ash gets his eight badges and then one of those gyms goes defunct, is his badge still valid? Like, I'm sure on his permanent record it counts, but if he wants to gain admittance to the Pokemon League, do all his badges need to be from gyms that are currently active? Like, there's a lot of interesting things to play with in that discussion, so thank you for bringing that up, Southwest's Pikachu. But anyway, if you haven't guessed, yes, we are a Pokemon anime podcast over here going through each episode one at a time to discuss really microscopic things like do Ash's badges for Indigo League still count? Can he challenge that league again without having to go through all the gyms over again? Right now we're on episode 267, Love Pokemon Style. Right in the middle of the Johto League Silver Conference, so it's a good time to have joined us if this is your first time. Peekappy Podcast is brought to you by PokePress, who has been pretty busy this holiday season. Uh, they put out a review for the Pokemon Christmas Bash, a CD that is both charming and ridiculous and wonderful and even touching and has a, a special place in my heart. You've heard me talk about it often. I will probably talk about it more before the season concludes, um, but you should head on over to Poke Press on YouTube and see what Steven thinks about it and the various tracks on it. He's also got a preview up for an interview with Try from My Life in Gaming uh, YouTube channel. You can find those things, again, at their YouTube channel, Poke Press, or by visiting pokepress.blogspot.com. Or if you want to hear me and Steven sitting down to discuss Pokemon movie soundtracks, you, you can head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash professional dork. The two of us have covered both movie one and movie two, and very soon I will have finished editing our discussion on movie three, um, the two ending themes and, you know, other tracks on the soundtrack. To Know the Unknown versus The Day a Rainbow Was Born. They're both very interesting songs. I will hopefully have that episode edited shortly, so you people who are on the Patreon, you all get the exclusive release for the next month. Anyway, check out PokePress, give them some love, delve into some discussions on Pokemon franchise music or gaming right after you listen to this episode, um, number 267. Don't forget we are playing Pokemon Fantasy League with our two teams, Evan and Logan. 
And it turns out I did make a bit of a mistake with the points last week. Um, I gave Ash points for appearing in a tournament battle on screen. I did not give him points for winning the Pokemon battle on screen. So that's three extra battle points, um, taking Team Logan to nine points uh, to Evan's two. So I'm very sorry, everybody. I got my degree in acting, not math. Um, but yeah, do keep an eye on the points if you're playing this game, because as much as I, I am rooting for both of you and trying my best, I am not a perfect being. But all right, let's get into the episode. Um, the kids, they're waiting for the charts that dictate who the next matchups are. And for these rounds, the trainers are organized into divisions of three people. Um, and remember, the one from that division with the most points gets to go on to the victory tournament. They'll have sort of a round-robin competition in their division. They get three points for winning a battle, zero points for losing, and something if it's a tie. So yeah, most points advances ahead. Luckily, none of our main characters are in the same division, because that would suck to eliminate them so early. Like, remember Best Wishes when Ash fought Trip in, like, the opening round, and it was like, oh, rotten luck there, Trip. Like... But yeah, it looks like Gary and Harrison ended up in separate divisions. Um, but that doesn't make Ash's opponents nobodies. In fact, Ash shares Division H with a character we've seen before. Remember the Legend of Thunder? Uh, there was a kid named Vincent who was in love with Marina, who kind of sort of had a thing for Jimmy, and also guys in capes. Um, Vincent is here. He's going by Jackson. And we'll see what else is going on with him later. Um, and to round out Division H, we have a girl named Macy. Um, like before, Ash is a little befuddled by the points system and just decides to win everything, that way he won't lose. Um, and in this scene, we do have Mr. Goodshow appearing, not in person, but as a uh, on the computer screen. And I've decided I'm going to count it, so we're having a coin flip for a random, random point. And it is a heads, it is going to Evan. One random point for you, and we shall carry on. Um, this Macy girl, she is the type to think that the battle begins the second the opponents are chosen. Like, why wait for the arena? So she immediately seeks out Ash to declare her rivalry. And the two brag a bit and are about to start a battle when Team Rocket swoops in with butterfly nets and nabs the Pokemon. So now we have something bigger to focus on. Uh, Team Rocket goes low-tech with, with bikes, um, but it's all downhill from the Silver Conference, so they might have chosen the right method of escape. Um, they go down the windy path down the hill, and Ash is like, we're going to follow them as the crow flies, or rather, as the brick plummets. He, he goes and just jumps straight off a cliff, like he just goes right down the hill after Team Rocket like a madman. Um, but you see, Ash should come with a warning sort of a don't-try-this-at-home sort of disclaimer. Because Brock and Misty, they've been around this kid long enough to know that just because Ash does something nuts doesn't mean it's a good idea. Like, you don't see Brock and Misty jumping off that little embankment. But Macy, she's new to this. Like, she sees Ash going all nuts in the hero mode to save the Pokémon and, and thinks she's supposed to do this too. So she tries to keep up. She jumps down right after him and tries to run down and slide down the hill. But Macy loses her footing. She slips and starts tumbling. 
Ash stops and, and grabs her to save her from breaking her neck and cushions her fall against a large rock. And then, like, without missing a beat, he checks on her, sees that she's safe, and then he runs off to play hero, like, I'll handle this. And Macy, she's smitten. It's hard not to be. I mean, I'm kind of smitten sometimes when Ash goes into hero mode. Um, by going straight down the hill, though, Ash is actually able to end up in front of Team Rocket and uses Bayleaf to swipe the Pokemon and send Team Rocket flying. The Pokemon are safe, Macy reunites with her Vulpix, and sees Ash interacting with his Pokemon. Again, smitten. And obvious enough about it that Misty kind of steps in like, Ash is booked! I'm in charge of his schedule! I'm the beautiful and talented water Pokemon trainer! <laughs> the two of them start going at it, and what we learn from this is Misty still not secure in herself enough to let other girls get close to her friend um, and not willing to cop to any more about that. Um, and Macy, we also learned she loves fire Pokemon. That's her specialty. Um, while they argue about the merits of water Pokemon versus fire Pokemon and whether that equates with a girl's ability to be loved, um, Ash is like, I am so out of here. Uh, he, he just runs out of there. I, I gotta train. <laughs> Well, later that night, Brock shows Ash how to use the computer to check data on his opponents. And he looks up Macy, who, yeah, pretty much only uses fire types. Um, of course, Misty advocates for water Pokemon to counter Macy, um, but Ash only has Totodile and Kingler on hand. So that's not a complete strategy. Um, but they find one of Macy's Pokemon that's a little interesting, and so Ash kind of starts to build a technique for fighting her. Team Rocket has a strategy too. They're painting bottle caps as official Silver Conference pins, trying to sell memorabilia. We'll see how that goes for them. I, I bet James isn't happy. But Wobbuffet pops out of his Pokeball, and so uh, Wobbuffet popping out of the Pokeball is another random point opportunity. So here goes the coin flip. And it is heads again. Evan! The luck of the coin toss is with you, friend. Um, let's cut back to Ash. He's having some further difficulties. It's the morning of his battle. He's gotta go fight Macy in like an hour. Um, he had his team chosen, two available water Pokemon, but you know, then thanks to the hero complex, his Kingler saves a bunch of falling Voltorb and gets electrocuted in the process. So, you know, it'll be fine, but it's not going to be battling in the match today. Sorry, Kingler, this was going to be your moment. And now Ash is down to one water type. And it's not to say that he couldn't have gone with another type that's advantageous against fire. It's not to say that Ash's other Pokemon who are type neutral to Macy are not expert battlers and couldn't carry the match if they had to. But his water Pokemon are a very strong choice to defeat Macy, and this is the still the semifinals. It looks like Ash is trying to save a lot of his more experienced and best players for the victory tournament as much as possible. Like, Kingler is perfect for a battle against Macy. It's, it's very tough. Ash has trained with it before he has enough experience. Put Kingler on a team with Totodile, who has, you know, a lot more one-on-one -on -one interaction with Ash. And then whoever Ash's mysterious third Pokemon is. 
that's a good team to take into the like he doesn't want to waste Pikachu on everything or give everybody a chance to see the best his team has to offer. So I think Ash's disappointment here is not just that, you know, he's down to one viable water Pokemon, but in addition to finding somebody who could do the job Kingler was supposed to do on this balanced three-person team, it's also going to affect a little bit of his long game approaching the, the Silver Conference as a whole. Because that is what's fun about the Silver Conference is unlike Indigo... Um, and even the Orange League, Ash is really seeing the tournament as more than just one match at a time. We'll see it a little more once he actually gets into the victory tournament, but just like in the Orange League where he had his first six-on-six -six match and we saw Ash kind of having to rethink how he approaches battles because of it, he's now picking teams and, and thinking about battle strategy not just in the, I have to win the battle that's in front of me right now, but also I have to win the one that comes after this and the one that comes the next day. Like, I really love that. But anyway, while Ash is kind of trying to think of what to do next, uh, you know, Totodile might be the only water Pokemon on hand, but it's not the only water Pokemon Ash has trained. And of those water types off on their own adventures, there is one water Pokemon who has access to the local news and to transportation. And that Pokemon is he of the Kamina Shades, Squirtle. And so Squirtle gets Officer Jenny to drive him up to Mount Silver and rejoin Ash. So yay! Ash is like, hug me, buddy, your timing is perfect. Um, Squirtle saw Ash running in the opening ceremonies and thought, Gee, stuff is happening over there. <laughs> Thought it might be fun to join Ash's team for a bit and, you know, have some fun, see the old gang battle. Um, the Squirtle squad has grown to the point where Ash's Squirtle can get a little bit of time off occasionally. So Squirtle gets put onto the team. And a little bit later, we all meet in the stadium. Ash versus Macy, Totodile versus Slugma. Um, a battle that has a clear advantage, so Macy switches Pokemon. Macy throws out her little trump card, an Electabuzz. After all, everyone wants to fight fire types with water, so she needs something to neutralize the water types. Throw those trainers who think they can just roll up with a bunch of water guns. And that's a really good move for these tournaments here because I believe for these round robins, they're three-on-three -three battles, but they can only register those exact three. And I would guess that Macy's experience, like, once all her opponents know that she's a fire-type trainer and that's basically all her Pokémon, I bet a lot of less experienced trainers would just show up with three water types and, and go to town. All she has to do is put her Electabuzz out, and she can wipe out their whole team without them ever having to touch her fire types. It's a neat little strategy and, again, works really well for these, like, three-on-three -three matches here. When Brock saw Macy's Pokémon lineup and saw that she had an Electabuzz in there amongst all the fire-only types, he figured that Macy would try to pull something like this. And so he and Ash decided that rather than just load up on, on water types, they should have something that can neutralize the Electabuzz. So Ash sends out Famfy. Electric attacks have no effect, so Macy switches again back to Slugma. Um, but you know, ground type, Fanfy still has some effectiveness against a fire type, so it uses Earthquake and then Rollout. 
It can defend against flamethrower with defense curl and then more earthquakes. Like, Macy's kind of in trouble. Despite its best, Slugma is eventually defeated by Takedown. So Macy's down to only two Pokemon, and Ash now has to face her next choice, Quillava. Uh, but Macy's not an idiot. Electabuzz isn't her only contingency. She's taught her Quillava to use Flame Wheel as a defense, not just offense. It actually blows Fanfy completely off course. A and that's it for Fanfy. Uh, so Ash sends in Totodile. And Macy, wisely, switches out Cyndaquil for Electabuzz. Totodile is taken out in one electric attack, so sorry dude, timing is everything. Now Ash only has one Pokemon. But what a Pokemon it is, Squirtle. Squirtle struggles a little at first against Electabuzz, but then it finds its footing with Water Gun and shows its experience. It eventually triumphs with Skullbash, and then, haha, it's Squirtle versus Quilava. Sorry, Macy. <laughs> Even without Ash being the main character, this is not going to go in your favor. Um, Quilava's got a few moves um, for fighting water types, like, say, Swift, but Squirtle comes out on top. It's been fighting fires for so long. It's like, fire Pokemon, smoke, please. It can navigate. It can take a hit. The only thing it can't do is get up after it's been knocked onto its back. <laughs> oh, a good move by Quilava. Um, Squirtle is stuck and it's a sitting duck for Flame Wheel until Ash tells it to use Hydro Pump to move. Remember, Squirtle's gotten good at that. Orange League, it was using Hydro Pump to like fly. So it uses Hydro Pump, dodges, it hits Quilava before Quilava can hit it, and it's super effective. Ash's team is victorious. Officer Jenny watches on with pride. And Macy, while disappointed, is happy to have had such a great battle. A and confirmation that Ash is every bit the man she thought he was. Um, luckily, Ash pays no attention to that last bit. Uh, however, Slugma, due to all the experience in this battle, evolves into Macargo, which will always remind Macy of Ash and what they share. Uh, but at least she's going to give up on the idea of a date. I mean, she's got to go train. Which might be her better move in getting Ash's attention. Like, nothing attracts him like competitive spirit, Pokemon training, and single-minded focus to a dream. Team Rocket is also having a good day. They sell all their painted bottle caps, and they're ready to move on, onward and upward. Tomorrow they will double the profits, triple the profits... And that's Team Rocket's only problem, really, is, like, not quitting while they're ahead. Like, Jesse was ready to be like, we did good, let's go buy some food. But in a weird twist, it's James being like, no, let's grab more from the cookie jar, bite off more than we can chew, mix all the metaphors, and, you know, sink all the money they just earned into investments for the future. Which is, again, is not a terrible idea, it's just, again, this has never worked out well for Team Rocket. And, like, maybe maybe they should think about a savings account. But <laughs> we'll see. I might be wrong. There have been many, many tournaments, and sometimes Team Rocket does better with their sales pitches than others. I will hope for the best. But, yeah, that takes us through the first little bit of the semifinals. Ash is going to fight a battle against uh, Vincent Jackson next, and as long as he doesn't lose, he's okay. Even if it's a draw, he should still get enough points to go onward to the victory round.
But we're going to leave it there until the next episode. Let's quickly recap everybody's points for Fantasy Pokemon League. Evan had two points from the last episode, and then today he got one point for the Team Rocket motto. And then, and so far he's gotten all of the coin tosses, so that's two more random points. This brings Evan to a total of five. Um, and then Logan, starting with nine, um, got one romance point um, from Macy falling in love with Ash. Three hero points, because Ash saved Macy, and then he saved the Pokemon. And then he and his Kingler saved a bunch of Voltorb. He also gets two battle points, because Ash fought one battle with Macy, and then won it. So that's six points, bringing him to a total of 15. I, I would say that Logan is probably very happy with his draft. Um, it seems to be working out very well for you, sir. But Evan, I still have faith in you because you were the first one to pick your team and I know you went with Harrison for a reason. Towards the end of the Silver Conference, Harrison and his team will be uh, getting a lot more high profile and winning a lot of things. So this competition is not over yet. And if there's one thing the Pokemon show loves, it is a come from behind win. So keep tuning in for Ash's Conquest of the Silver Conference and our own Conquest of Fantasy Pokemon League. And um, again, if like last time I managed to completely miss somebody's points, please write in and let me know. You can find our fantasy football type stats on uh, the Facebook page or we're also on Twitter at Podcast. Our blog page again is pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. And as always, you can listen to this podcast via iTunes or Zoom. But most of all, thank you for listening. This has been Peek Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all.